0: Ring around the rosy, a pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down.
1: (laughs) On April 23rd, 2006, the bodies of Mark and Deborah Richardson and their eight-year-old son, Jacob, were found stabbed to death in their home in Mexican Hat, Alberta, Canada. Their 12-year-old daughter, Jasmine Richardson, was missing and quickly became the prime suspect. The next day, Jasmine and her 23-year-old boyfriend, Jeremy Steinecke, were arrested in Saskatchewan. It was pretty clear they'd committed the murders because they had knives, a bag of bloody clothing, and Jasmine's mother's pocketbook. This case was highly publicized in both Canada and America. One short year later... Jasmine Richardson was found guilty of first-degree murder for helping her boyfriend murder her mother, father, and younger brother. Jasmine was sentenced to serve four years in custody and another four and a half years under community supervision. On that same date, April 23, 2006, the bodies of Katrina Denise Powell and her nine-year-old son, Mystery, were found bludgeoned and stabbed to death in their home in Forestville, Maryland, Katrina's 12-year-old son, Thomas Robinson, Jr., quickly became the prime suspect. But this is a story that received very little publicity anywhere. This is the story of Thomas Lydell Robinson, Jr., who murdered his mother and younger brother.
0: Welcome to the Parasite Podcast. I'm Sherry. And I'm Marie. And this is the seldom told story
1: of a boy who killed both his mother and his little brother.
0: Katrina Denise Powell didn't have a perfect life. In fact, her life had been far from perfect so far. She'd grown up in poverty deep in the heart of South Carolina. She'd liked the bad boys and was learning the hard way that these relationships don't usually turn out well. She wanted better. When she was 19 years old, she had a baby and named him Thomas Lydell Robinson, Jr., It was after his dad, who was seven years her senior. Two years later, she was picked up for possession of crack cocaine and selling drugs near a school. Oof. That's really bad for a 21-year-old. It is really bad for a 21-year-old. And then when you add that Thomas Lydell Robinson Sr. was later arrested for manufacturing crack cocaine, it starts to make a little more sense.
1: Yeah, it sounds like she was in a really bad situation with a much older man.
0: Yes, I agree. Anyway, she pled guilty to possession. It was less than an ounce that she had on her, and the selling drugs near a school charge was dropped. She did her time. Thomas appears to have been sent to stay with his dad at that point, but he was soon back with his mother, That probably was a really hard time for him. For Thomas Jr.? For Thomas Jr., yeah. He was really young,
1: and to have his mother, you know, from his perspective, just disappear
0: Mm -hmm. was probably a little traumatic. That's a really difficult time for someone to have their mother disappear, especially if she's the primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. You have to start worrying about reactive attachment disorder Mm -hmm. um, and really some other things here if he was being exposed to drugs at such a young age. Yeah, because it
1: sounds like his father
0: was pretty involved in the drug scene. I agree, and that relationship must have been a very difficult one, because a few years later, Katrina had a second son with a different man. Mystery Hillian was born when Thomas was four years old. Oh, okay. So when Thomas was 11 and Mystery was 8, Katrina decided she couldn't live there anymore. Where is there? At this point, they were in South Carolina. Okay. And she decided she needed to get her boys to a better place, a place where they could have a chance at life. So she packed up her boys and headed to Maryland, and she found them a home in a town called Forestville, an aging but well-kept three-story walk-up just inside the Capitol Beltway. Okay. That sounds like a good move. I think it sounds like a good move. I know she had a cousin who was living there. Oh, okay. But it had to have been fairly isolating.
1: Yeah, that is hard. With two small kids moving somewhere new with no friends. Hopefully a little family.
0: Yes, but not a lot of money. Mm Mm-hmm. And Katrina didn't want a handout. If she found a hand up, she would consider the help. But she didn't want her boys to be caught up in the poverty that had informed her entire life. She wasn't sure how that looked or how they would get there, but she did want better for them.
1: I can understand that, but I think it's so sad that we have this attitude toward getting help because things like food stamps or health insurance or these sorts of things are things that she should have had.
0: They can help and they can give people the space to get that start in life that they're looking for. She did get SNAP. We'll talk about that later. That's what they call food stamps now. Oh, good. So Katrina started making friends with people in the apartment complex because she knew how valuable neighbors could be when it came to being a working mother who was trying to do right by her boys. That was a really smart move. Building a community is Mm -hmm. important. She didn't seem to have a lot of financial capital, but she did seem to understand social capital very well. Mm Mm-hmm. She found a job as a housekeeper at a nearby hotel. It was a nice one. It was the Marriott Residence Inn. That's good. Mm -hmm. And she started working toward the life she'd always dreamt of giving her kids. The strong friendships with the neighbors, strict rules for living right at home, good memories, and sometimes the indulgence of unexpected gifts of toys was how they were starting to live their life. That's nice. I think so, too. But their apartment remained largely devoid of furniture. The boys had bunk beds, and Katrina had a bed. But that was most of what they had. Well, that and a PlayStation.
1: <laughs> yeah, with two little boys, I'm not surprised that was a priority.
0: Mm-hmm. And if she was going to be gone a lot, I can see where she thought that video games were a good way to keep her boys home, out of trouble, entertained. Mm-hmm. You can't be
1: making trouble if you're playing Call of Duty. <laughs>
0: Well, we have found that's not always the case. (laughs) Maybe they should be playing Pokemon or something. Yeah, maybe a less violent game. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, Katrina got SNAP benefits, as I said. But there wasn't a lot of food in the house. They had a grocery store right across the street, and these boys knew how to go get food when she was at work if they were hungry. She loved her boys a lot and raising them to be independent of public benefits would make them better people. She was convinced of it. So sometimes they went without, but she knew they would eventually have what they needed. Fresh starts were hard, and kids made them even more difficult. That's
1: true. It is really hard to kind of try to restart your life, especially while taking care of kids, making sure
0: they have what they need. Especially young kids like this. They Mm -hmm. have so many needs, and they really need some security, and she tried to give them people in their lives through the neighbors. Mm -hmm. But there's so much. There is. Anyway, her oldest son, Thomas, she called him Tommy, was giving her a run for her money. She loved him, but that kid was always in trouble. Yeah, he was big for his 12 years, and the neighbor kids all seemed to gravitate to him. He was popular, fun, and full of fantastic ideas that usually got them in trouble. In truth, he was mostly trouble and a lot of work. Thomas was constantly creating problems for her when she was at work. The boys had a lot on their shoulders. She knew that. But she didn't seem to have a lot of choices. She had to work the long hours to pay the rent and pay the bills. Mm -hmm. The boys had to fend for themselves a lot, and the neighbors were good enough to keep an eye out for them.
1: Well, that is a really hard situation. And of course, you want your kids to be popular, but this doesn't sound like the right kind of popularity.
0: (laughs) It doesn't sound like the right kind of popularity at all.
1: So what about her second son? Was he
0: a little troublemaker, too? Mystery saw his share of trouble, but Katrina went easy on him. It wasn't his fault that Tommy was such a bad influence. With Tommy in charge, and Tommy was in charge any time Katrina wasn't home, it was like a frat party at her house. That sounds awful. Uh, Yeah, the rental company was constantly calling her at work. Oh. Why? Well boys were throwing trash off the balcony. They were teaming up to fight with other boys in the apartment complex. Tommy had even jumped off of that second floor balcony a couple of times from where they lived. He was crazy.
1: Yeah, he sounds a little out of control.
0: He was very erratic. Mm -hmm. And in our murder data, the cluster analysis to identify the five fatal personality types show that he was indeed erratic. Mm-hmm. Tommy hit kids a lot, too. He even beat up some autistic kid at school. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a bad kid. Yeah. He had a girlfriend already, which really made Katrina mad because she worked long hours, and who knew what he was doing with that girl when she was at work? Then there was that time when he decided to start a gang at school. Remember, he's still in elementary school. That's horrible. Uh, he, it was a really naughty little gang. Mm-hmm. He and his little gang, they called themselves the All About Money Gang, went around with bandanas covering their faces or book covers over <laughs> their heads so they couldn't be identified. That was a hard one to navigate with the principal. Granted, her boy had seen a bit too much of life while living with her and her different partners in South Carolina. But what little kid even thought of these kinds of shenanigans? Katrina knew he was out of control, but she was out of control as she tried to discipline him. Uh Uh-oh. And she knew she was in over her head. Thomas was getting a reputation as a bad kid, and if he didn't watch it, he was going to get them thrown out of their apartment. And she was desperate to keep that from happening
1: that sounds really scary and i can see why she would have a hard time with that i wish she had some more
0: support in this i do too it's nice to have neighbor support but it's very difficult when you have a difficult child and you have the pressures of trying to keep everything together financially and an apartment complex saying, we're going to throw you out. Mm-hmm. And a school saying, we're going to kick your kid out of school. She had a lot on her plate. It sounds like it. And she really wasn't sure how to discipline him properly. Hmm. But she needed him to stop. Yeah. And those childhood spankings he'd received quickly escalated into whompings. And she knew they were wrong. She had a wooden axe handle that she kept around to smack him with, if you believe Thomas's story. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that she was smacking him with that, based Mm -hmm. on neighbors saying that they found him with bruises and so forth. That sounds really bad. Mm -hmm. And it was harsh. But what was she supposed to do? From her point of view, she wasn't sure what she could do to get him to get in line and be a good big brother, and a good son, and a good member of the community. Mm -hmm. Couldn't he see that she was single-handedly trying to dig them out of poverty? His antics were going to just ruin it for all of them. If they lost this apartment, they'd probably have to move home, and her boys would never have a chance to escape the indignities of poverty. That's really sad. And you can see...
1: Where a little bit of community support, like the school finding a therapist or having programs for parents having problems with their children would
0: make a big difference. Or even after school programs.
1: Mm-hmm. Because having to leave your 11-year-old mm-hmm. in charge is not going to go that well, probably.
0: No, not when it's a full-time, long-term situation. It's not fair to either boy.
1: No, and it's not fair for her to be mad at Thomas for not being a good example, but he's he's 11. Mm-hmm. But she didn't have any other options on who mm-hmm. was going to lead her second son.
0: He was her only resource, and she really leaned heavily on his participating as and an he, adult.
1: Mm-hmm. And of course he wasn't, and it does sound like he had
0: a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of problems that left him erratic. Mm -hmm. So when Katrina got mad at Thomas, he would often push back, screaming, I'm crazy, don't mess with me. And sometimes Thomas ran away. But he usually just went to his friend's house. When everything cooled down, he'd be back home. Okay, so why do we think he ran away? I have a theory on that. The data shows that kids who are erratic tend to run away quite a bit. Oh, okay. So that wasn't a huge surprise. But compounding her troubles... Katrina had sent him away a few times. She'd sent him away to live with various relatives when he'd refused to straighten up. But they would always send him right back. So I think Thomas had a feeling of being untethered on top of having personality traits that left him erratic to start. Mm hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, for Katrina, Thomas was a lot of work and not a lot of reward for the effort. Katrina was pretty sick of him, and she was willing to send him away again if he didn't knock it off. This time, she decided she'd just send him to his daddy in the Carolinas and wash her hands of him. That sounds terrifying. I think it would be very terrifying for a little boy. She told Mystery this several times. And Mystery, being the little brother who liked to kind of egg Tommy on, made sure Tommy knew about it. Oh, And then he'd laugh. That's not very nice. Well, they can be brats, and Mystery liked to let Tommy know that he was the bad one. Oh, (laughs) I'm sure that really helped the situation. Thomas could remember when his mama liked Antonio Hillian and they made him a baby brother. He'd only been four years old when Mystery, Tomah, Hillian had been born. But he could remember. Mystery had a different daddy than he did. He shared his whole name with his daddy, and that had made a lot of difference between the two boys. Where Thomas was big and full of boisterous, angry energy, Mystery was small and sassy. They both loved playing basketball and football in the quad. According to the Star Democrat, Mystery was a cute second grader who ran around with his brother, loved the Baltimore Ravens, and really loved playing computer games. Oh, he was so little. He's really young. The boys got along very well. They spent a lot of time together alone because their mama had to work. When she was at work, Thomas knew he was in charge. Thomas even stuck up for Mystery taught him everything he knew. He was a good big brother, and he'd make sure the neighbor kids left his younger, skinny little brother alone. Mystery was a spunky kid who wasn't a stranger to trouble himself. Yeah, that is an interesting name, too. It is, and I've heard a lot of people make racial slurs toward this name. People say, oh, it was a mystery who his daddy was. It was not a mystery who his daddy was. His daddy was Antonio Hillian, and there was no doubt about that.
1: That is horrible. And this is. is a child who is dead in the second grade, and they're making jokes about him?
0: Yes, on discus and on different places. It's kind of disgusting. It's really sad
1: how disrespectful some people are.
0: And racist.
1: And racist, for sure.
0: And... We can mention it here. I think this is why this story didn't gain traction in the press. Mm -hmm. Because we have found that a lot of the African-American murders are not reported. And when they're reported, the racists come out of the woodwork to say awful things. Despite the fact that most of these kids are white boys who murder their parents.
1: Yeah. It's not something that is... Oh, well, of course, it happens in this community. It happens in all
0: communities. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of disgusting.
1: And all victims deserve to be
0: remembered with respect. Yes, they do. I absolutely agree with that. Anyway, Mystery was a spunky kid who wasn't a stranger to trouble himself. He and his brother played video games together all the time. They'd go down in the quad to play basketball or football with their friends. And... They got in trouble together. They were pretty tight. The only thing they didn't do together was get in trouble with their mama. When she got mad, Tommy got beat. Never mystery. And after his beatings, mystery would taunt him and laugh until Thomas felt he couldn't take it any longer.
1: Do you think that that was a disparity just because of their age? And she saw Thomas as more grown up because he was four years older?
0: That's always hard to tell. I think there was a lot of responsibility on Thomas, and that created some of the problems. Mm -hmm. But I think that mystery was probably a more compliant child. People reported that he was a good kid and that Thomas was a bully. okay. So I think that she was really engaged in trying to get Thomas to be a good citizen, a Mm -hmm. good boy, a good son, a good big brother. And mystery just had it a little easier, less of the responsibility Mm -hmm. and not having to take responsibility when Thomas talked him into doing some pretty bad things.
1: Yeah. I just wondered because, you know, 11 is right on the brink of adolescence.
0: And a lot of parents start to really
1: worry about what their kids are up to at that age.
0: Yes, they do. And that could have played into it. And we don't know how she felt about both of their fathers. Sometimes that can play into it. That's true. Mm -hmm. But we do know that Thomas had it hard and Mystery had it kind of easy comparatively. Yeah, he
1: wasn't usually held responsible.
0: Right. So the kids all said that Tommy was a bully, like I said. But they always said it behind his back, never to his face. The adults in the apartment complex also said Tommy had quite a temper on him. As one of his neighbors described it, if he got into an argument or something like with other kids, he would kind of explode and like go off oh he yeah, he was always hitting other kids and beating them up. They understood why his mama tried to beat that out of him,
1: so I think it's really interesting. we've talked about this before, maybe not on the podcast, but erratic kids, the ones who are more likely to be bullies and running around doing the things that are kind of classic bad kid behavior.
0: The crazy stuff.
1: Uh huh. I feel like they're the kind of kid that traditionally we go, okay, well, maybe you should beat it out of them or spank them or whatever physical punishment is considered acceptable
0: where you live in the time that you live. I think that's kind of an old school train of thought. And I think that people who don't have a lot of resources often kind of fall back on that when they're desperate. I agree,
1: but I also think that the types of behaviors are the ones most likely to be punished that way. Like the booty bumpers. Mm -hmm. They're usually not little angels, but their behaviors are not the kind that usually warrant, in this kind of old school way of thought, a spanking. Right, right. And I think that's interesting because we know that only 15% of all of the kids who commit parasite are abused. But didn't you find that the Rattach kids were the ones who were most likely to kill their parents out of the five groups?
0: Absolutely, so as a reminder, the five groups are erratic, brats, anarchists, mission-oriented, and tightly wound. In a peer-reviewed journal article, we talk about this. We looked at 92 different kids who had murdered their parents, and we split them into two groups. One group were the kids who were violent or entitled, and the other group were kids who had not shown any violence and had not shown any entitlement. So as you said, only 15% of kids who murder their parents have reported violence that was substantiated. Violence
1: um, against them or toward other
0: people? Against them. There's okay. another 6% who actually committed violence against their parents, like Matthew Worster. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so when I talk about violence, I'm talking about child abuse aimed at the child like Thomas being beaten with a pole, or later you'll hear with a frying pan. Okay. So there were two distinct types of youthful parasite offenders who'd experienced abuse at the hands of the murdered parent. The two group cluster scores for abused offenders were compared to their scores in the general five group clusters. And this is what we found. Significant to abuse, there appears to be two very different types of abused offenders. Kids who tend toward a strong sense of entitlement, violence, or both, and the nonviolent kids who don't possess a strong sense of entitlement. The results indicate approximately 45% of all children who experienced substantiated abuse prior to killing the abusive parent manifested violent or entitled characteristics. So less than
1: half of them have this outward display of violence or entitled or the problematic behavior. That would be a warning sign.
0: Right. Some kids are like the Dutton kids. They're very compliant. They're very much part of a clan. They're not going to talk about the violence. They're not going to respond to the violence. Mm -hmm. And then some kids are like Thomas.
1: Yeah. And they, they both experience physical abuse, but one of them kind of is showing problems to the outside world
0: and the Duttons really weren't. No, they were very good kids. They were very compliant kids. They were very quiet kids. Mm -hmm. So the Dutton kids are part of that 55% who didn't have histories of violence, quite unassuming. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in a cluster analysis, we look for cluster membership and the cluster membership in the violent and title group indicated that a child, although abused, Manifested either a history of violence themselves, a strong sense of entitlement publicly in Mm -hmm. society, or both. Note that the lack of nonviolent children in the erratic and anarchist groups. Zero, right? Yeah, that's right. So these personality types are kids who, if you're going to be abusive toward them, they're going to act out. Yeah. And they might kill you.
1: But you'll see those warning signs, like those big red lights, like the bullying at school, the beating up other kids, the problem child behaviors before the murder.
0: Yeah. But the anarchists are pretty much the same. With the anarchists, the ones who kind of hate adults and think they're smarter than everybody but really aren't, mm-hmm. 12 of them were violent and entitled. And zero of them were nonviolent and entitled. So if you have a child who's an erratic or an anarchist, they will act out against the abuse. And you are at very high risk for being murdered if you're the parent, mm-hmm. the abusing parent.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. But then it's really interesting to contrast that with um, the tightly wound, especially because only one of the children who were abused and were tightly wound had the markers of violence or entitlement. So this was not a kid who was bullying people at school, or this one was, but then 41 didn't show violence at school, um, a great degree of entitlement. They weren't called bad kids
0: by their neighbors. Mm -hmm. It was the, you never would have known kid, you know? They were very compliant. And they were Mm -hmm. the ones that you typically think of when you think of a child who murdered their parents because of abuse. Mm -hmm. They're the kids like the Duttons. Yeah. You'll have to listen to that podcast to understand what happened there. They didn't Mm -hmm. kill their dad because of the abuse either. They killed their dad because he broke a rule and he had told them what to do when that rule was broken. And they did. Yes. They were so highly compliant that when he said, if anyone messes with sissy, you kill him, Mm -hmm. they did. It just happened to be him.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting, and you see this chart and you can see all of the numbers are below 20 except for this 41 of the tightly wound children who were not showing symptoms of violence or entitlement, but still killed their abusive parent.
0: Right. And we've talked about a couple of those in our different podcasts. Mm -hmm. So the other two areas, the alpha brats, which are the kids who are kind of the bosses and Mm -hmm. Kind of bratty.
1: Kind of bully their parents a little bit. Yeah.
0: It was kind of half and half. Some of them showed tendencies to be violent or act entitled. And the other half seemed to be very compliant, very well behaved kids Mm -hmm. and mission oriented also. Okay. Half of them acted out. Half of them just quietly planned a murder. That's so interesting. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We always have to look at the data when we're talking about what happened here. But it's really interesting, because I do think with erratic kids, most of the parents kind of see that they
0: have a problem. Right. I think the parents know. In fact, a lot of these kids, when people talk about them, they say, oh, we always said he was a time bomb. We didn't wonder if he would go off. We wondered when. Mm -hmm. And it's not like they were always bad kids. Some of these kids do some good things, and they do try to behave, but they have a very erratic personality type.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. And it always makes me think of that old saying, the same water that hardens the egg softens the potato, right? <laughs> so these kids can be in very similar situations, but some kids are eggs and some kids are potatoes.
0: Exactly right. That's a nice analogy. hmm Anyway, the fact that the neighbors understood why Katrina was trying to beat that out of him says that these neighbors had probably a similar kind of parenting style, Mm -hmm. and they recognized that this kid was in trouble. Yeah. He
1: seemed to be having a lot of problems that were going to kind of throw him off track in life at the tender age of 11. Mm
0: -hmm. And when this boy got even the least bit of angry, he'd explode. He'd yell, he'd scream, he'd hurt people, he'd break things, and sometimes his mama would just throw his sorry butt out of the house. Those nights were hard on him. He deserved it, maybe, in his estimation. He knew he wasn't the best kid, and one rainy night she tossed him out in his underwear. That's unimaginable, right? And so embarrassing, and cold. And He'd gone over to his best friend's house, as he often did, and he just stood at the door in his t-shirt and underpants. He didn't have his backpack that night, which he usually had on him, and he didn't even have shoes. They let him in and took care of him until his mama forgave him for his fit. His best friend's mom was really nice to him like that. I'm
1: glad that he had that support, but this sounds like they just needed more.
0: Yes. And the mother that he would go visit, she had a very structured home, she Mm -hmm. had kids who were very compliant, she had boundaries, and it didn't seem like he had very many boundaries at home. Well, and it's
1: hard for a mother to enforce boundaries when she's at work all the time.
0: Trying to make a living. Because she wasn't like working and having a good time. She was a maid. She was working hard and she probably came home exhausted.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. And it sounds like she was always working extra shifts, trying to make ends meet. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So, it was one night when he was yet again in trouble, when Tommy realized his mom was planning the unthinkable. She was preparing to send him to North Carolina to live with his dad. But she was keeping mystery. Oof. Man, that's hard. Yeah, mystery was no angel. And it didn't matter what his mom thought or even who she chose to punish. Mystery was just as bad as he was. That's what he thought. How dare she? And isn't that interesting that kind of the turning
1: point wasn't one night when she beat him with an axe handle. It was when he felt rejected and unfaired against.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that really plays into this story. I think that these kids who are erratic have a lot of special needs, Mm -hmm. have a lot of personality problems. that don't render them easily lovable to parents who are already having a struggle. Yeah. And getting kicked out of the house, getting rejected, that really destroys them. Yeah. And
1: it's just so interesting because we always think, or I always assumed, I guess, before looking into it more, that children were killing their parents because they were afraid that their parents' abuse would kill them. Mm -hmm. And it's more often
0: something a little different you're absolutely right that's very typical because of the press that this has received and because of the angle that has been taken in the media Mm -hmm. it appeared that these kids were like these beleaguered really good kids but for these terrible awful parents they wouldn't have done anything they were perfect they were upper income they were You know, just perfect little angels. Um, We call it the good child postulate. Uh When in reality, most of these kids are middle to lower income. Mm -hmm. They live with a lot of troubles. They have a lot of pressure on themselves. They have Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, the parents experience a lot of pressure also. It's not what people want it to be. No. Anyway, Tommy was tired of mystery laughing at him after their mama beat him. Mystery didn't even seem to care when Mama smacked him with that frying pan that I talked about, and he was never in trouble for the shit he pulled. Yeah, yeah, Mystery was overall a pretty good kid, a little mouthy, but he rarely got in trouble on his own. But Thomas could not believe his Mama had decided Mystery was the good guy in everything. He plain old felt he couldn't win, and he didn't like this feeling of rejection.
1: No, I think that would be really hard. And it's easy to look at his behavior and go, oh, yeah, this was a problem. But he was, at heart, still 11 years old, no matter how tall or how tough he was.
0: And in a poor school where there weren't resources to support him or help Mm -hmm. him, and probably not even recognize the plight that he was in.
1: Yeah, it's hard because it's the schools where kids already have money, where they have screenings for Developmental, emotional, and social issues. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the staff to support and deal with each specialized issue mm-hmm. or refer them to someone.
0: Right. And schools aren't parents, and we totally understand and recognize that. But we also need to acknowledge that a black kid in a poor school is getting a lot fewer resources mm-hmm. than someone just like him in a different school.
1: Yeah. It's hard, and I agree, schools are not parents, but schools are a community resource, and they make huge differences in the lives of children of every class. Um, Good and bad. Yes, that's (laughs) true. And not having those resources for kids who are already having struggles because poverty is always a struggle means they continue to struggle, Mm -hmm. and it perpetuates the
0: problem. You're right, and then you take someone with an erratic personality and it compounds the problem. Mm Mm-hmm. And Thomas really wanted to be a tough guy. And I think a lot of these erratic kids do want to appear as a tough guy. They don't want people to bully them back. Mm-hmm. Thomas knew the kinds of guys that his mom liked, and he knew that nobody messed with those men. Oh, And he liked that. According to the Baltimore Sun, Thomas once threw a basketball at a woman who lived at the apartments, and an older boy chided him. He told him to be respectful. Thomas punched him and then told him he had a gun, a bat, and an axe, and he wasn't afraid to use them. That's quite the reaction. I know, and those boys, they were 16 years old. They looked at that 12-year-old kid and they didn't think much of it. They thought he was crazy, and he kind of liked it that way. He hadn't told them about the butcher knife he had carefully tucked underneath his mattress. This was going to come in handy someday. And he didn't actually have an axe, just that axe handle, the one his mama sometimes smacked him with. That was hidden in his bedroom too, waiting for the right time.
1: That's a lot for such a
0: little kid. Truth. yeah. On April 22, 2006, Thomas and Mystery were invited to a little birthday party for Thomas's best friend. But he let off a couple of cuss words during that party, and this got him kicked out. Remember I said that that mom had boundaries? Mm-hmm. And when Tommy crossed them, she would kick him out. So everyone was kicking Thomas out all the time. Oh. Mystery, probably in a show of solidarity did something naughty himself, and got thrown out of the party, too. He caught up to Thomas, and Tommy told him to go home. He'd be around later. Tommy didn't bother going home for quite some time. He knew he was going to be in big trouble. Moms talked, and that mystery didn't know when to shut up, either. So, no hurry. After wasting as much time as he could, he returned home in the middle of the night. And his mother was furious. She started yelling at him, reminding him he was a 12-year-old boy, reminding him he was going to be sent to his dad's house, and then she sent him to his room. It was bad. He knew he'd really screwed up, but that didn't stop his temper from flaring. Smoldering, he prepared for bed but that damn mystery started in on him teasing him and laughing at him for getting into trouble and probably retelling him you're going to go live with your daddy mhm and thomas's rage came at mystery in full force thomas knew he had the upper hand he wasn't taking crap from this kid anymore he pulled the knife out from under his bed and stabbed his little brother to death that's horrible Mm. And it sounded like he really loved his brother, but his temper was so bad. And that's the problem with erratics. They have kind of two modes. Mm -hmm. Grief is anger. Sorrow is anger. Frustration is anger. Everything's anger. Yeah, that is hard. Indeed. Hearing the commotion, Mama came running in to see what was going on. So he killed her too. He didn't care. He'd miss mystery, but he didn't think he'd miss his mama at all.
1: That's so sad.
0: The neighbors reported hearing quite the commotion inside Katrina's apartment at 1.30 a.m. were loud. Mm. That's sad. No help was coming. When Tommy was finished killing them, he didn't really know what to do. So, he did what he usually did when there was trouble at home. He packed his stuff into his backpack did what he could to stage the house for what he felt would be a credible alibi and threw the wooden axe handle he'd used in the murders into a drainage ditch. He thought that was pretty clever. He probably took a long nap after that because it wasn't until about 10.30 the next morning that Thomas headed out the door with all of his stuff and a really good plan. He returned to the home where he and Mystery had been kicked out of the birthday party and made his dead family that mom's problem. Oh, no. He told her he'd gone home to find his mama and little brother murdered. Okay. And she's the one who called the police, and the police entered the apartment using Tommy's key.
1: So already he has a problem because... Is he claiming he didn't go home until 10.30 the next morning?
0: He was claiming he went home in the morning, found his family, and went over to the house. Remember, he's always going to her house and saying, I had trouble. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he was telling her as a 12-year-old that he had been out all night. That is kind of suspicious. And this mother knew Katrina. I'm sure she knew that wasn't true. Yeah, yeah. Or at least the police figured it out because the investigators quickly secured the murder scene and then sat him down to have a little talk. And at first he claimed to have come home and discovered those murders like we just talked about. But they quickly figured everything out. They mentioned that the murders looked like they were committed by a very, very angry person. Mm -hmm. And Thomas confessed. He said he killed his mother because she was mean to him and hurt him. And he did kill Mystery, but there wasn't really any reason why. He probably didn't understand the reasons why. Mm Mm-mm. He showed them a burn mark from a curling iron on his upper back and shoulder, and he claimed that that was from his mama's abuse. Okay. Did they think that he was lying? I don't know. The burn mark was upper back and shoulder, which seems like a strange place for a mama to burn you. If she's going to burn you with a curling iron, which doesn't sound like what Katrina typically did with him. And because he had tried to set up an alibi, you have to worry. Like I said, I have no doubt this kid was abused. Did his mother burn him with a curling iron? I think... There was some doubt
1: during the investigation.
0: Yeah, I think there was some doubt. Because if your son comes home in the middle of the night, your curling iron is not on. Yeah. And you're not going to say, you hold on here. I'm going to go turn on my curling iron. Wait the 15 minutes for it to heat up Mm -hmm. so I can burn you with it. Yeah. Especially if you're used to spanking him and whacking him around and hitting him with a frying pan. She's not doing what I would call first-degree abuse, where she's thinking of ways to torture him. She's picking up what's on hand and whacking him with them. Yeah. Like the frying pan. So I think that's something that came into play in this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard if
1: your first interaction with the police is lying. They usually tend to think you're lying about other things.
0: Absolutely.
1: Whether you are or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Anyway, he told them where they could find that wooden axe handle, and the police headed out to the storm drain and did indeed find that axe handle and they figured out that Tommy had killed his little brother first, not his mama, the abuser. Mm-hmm. After the arrest, Tiffany Myers who was Thomas's best friend's mom who kicked him out of the party and tried to help him with his life she pretty much adopted him into her home. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked to him a couple of times after that arrest mm-hmm. and according to the Baltimore Sun, Ms. Myers told them He says that he sees his brother's face all the time, and that he is very sorry for killing his brother, but he wouldn't change what he did to his mother. There was a lot of animosity between them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, Thomas had the dubious distinction of being the youngest child ever charged with homicide in Maryland. He'd been charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Due to his age, the law only allowed him to be charged as a juvenile. Maryland, like many of the other cases we've reviewed, had a children's code that precluded kids from under the age of 14 from being charged as an adult. So, no matter what, he would be cared for in the juvenile system until he turned 21 and then he would be released. The judge wisely ordered a psychological evaluation during the 10 minute hearing held by closed circuit as his father tried to get up to Maryland to lend him some support. It seemed like a trial was going to be tough.
0: So what did that psychological report say?
1: Well, we never found out because on November 23rd, 2006, Tommy ate Thanksgiving dinner in a group home, and on November 29th, 2006,
0: he made a deal. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. So it only took seven months for him to have his case come to conclusion in the juvenile system. Mm-hmm. He
1: pled involved, which is the same plea as responsible in other juvenile ju- justice systems and guilty in adult justice systems, and prepared himself to spend the rest of his childhood in the juvenile justice system. The prosecutor was saying something about his being sentenced to a detention and treatment center in South Carolina until he turned 21.
0: Oh, not Maryland?
1: Nope. I think they probably wanted him to be near his father. Wise. Yeah, but he decided that would do, and he'd pack for warmer weather.
0: Wow. So I'm assuming he got out when he was 21. Did he stay out of trouble after that? No, he had
1: problems with domestic violence as of 10 years ago.
0: That's probably understandable given his personality. I'm listening to you relate what happened Mm -hmm. to him after the murders. And all I can think of is it's horrible that he killed his mother. Mm -hmm. It's horrible that he killed his brother. It's tragic that his life was altered at such a young age Mm -hmm. and yet now he's not in charge he's not left alone he's given boundaries Mm -hmm. and i was hoping that would help him straighten things up and maybe find ways to recognize other emotions but it sounds like maybe it worked a little but maybe not as much as you'd want it to
1: Yeah, he hasn't committed any more murders or been involved in gangs or anything Mm -hmm. super egregious, but he hasn't solved his anchor issues or the ways that he relates to people in the most intimate relationships with him. And I think that juvenile detention centers are helpful in that they provide structure, but unfortunately they're also underfunded and often don't provide the degree of treatment that these kids would need to truly heal.
0: That's very true. I'm very sad. So I think we solved the mystery of why this story wasn't talked about in the press as much as Jasmine Richardson was. He wasn't a white girl from a fairly wealthy family. Mm -hmm. He was a poor black kid who lived in an apartment with his mother who had a lot of financial needs herself. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say it, but you see racism even today in how these murders are reported and how lives are valued. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that's that's really sad and kind of egregious.
1: Yeah, it's really disappointing that in this day and age, and I get that this was 2006, but that's a fairly modern murder. Mm -hmm. People just don't care to take the time to report on murders like this. It's not that this is a less interesting murder than a girl who murders her family for money and runs to Canada.
0: But it's an intersection of race and poverty. Mm -hmm.
1: And then the way that their readers respond is very negative sometimes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it all results in a lot less attention being paid to murders that, in my opinion, would be more preventable. Because you could've reduced a lot of the stressors on this family if you thought it was important as a society.
0: I completely agree, and I think that one thing that we're trying to do at the Parasite Prevention Institute is create models so that if people can identify the kind of kid they have, Mm -hmm. they can build discipline around tailoring success for their child Mm -hmm. instead of making egregious mistakes that, based on that personality, might get them killed. Yeah, I don't think all kids who are erratic kill their parents. No, of course not. But I'm hoping that once we get that model built, we'll be able to tell fewer stories and have fewer people in our data set. But I do think that it's very important that race is not a factor that determines whether that story gets told, because mm-hmm. it's in the stories that we find the information that can help us save lives in the future.
1: It's true. And getting good data on the cases that are not reported on is a lot harder.
0: It really is. Anyway, that's all we have for today.
1: Yes, thank you for listening. We appreciate your support so much. And if you'd like to lend us some monetary support, you can find us on Patreon.
0: And if you'd like to follow us, if you're on Spotify, press the three little dots and it will give you the option to follow, which we'd really appreciate. And please share our podcast with two of your friends. And while you're at it, share another of your favorite podcasts with your friends too. We love to encourage you to share your favorite podcast stories with everyone. hmm
1: We'd also like to thank the Washington Post, the Irish Examiner, the Star Democrat, the Baltimore Sun, the Sheboygan Press, the Dayton Daily News, the Post Crescent, and the St. Cloud Times, as well as Jade Brown, who provides us with our charming music.
0: Absolutely. We'll see you next month. This has been the Parasite Podcast. And remember, always sleep with one eye open. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down.